What is up, Eastside? Yes. And online, we're happy you're tuning in. If you are watching for the first time, welcome. We love you. Like, subscribe, share, whatever. We're just happy you're here. Uh, you guys are pretty awesome. And you get to deal with me as we start a brand new series. I'm excited about this. Actually, very excited because this is a topic that we hear about often, but yet it's still a major struggle within our faith communities. And so right now we're at a time in our culture where we are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are starting to see that there is, there's going to be a time when, when we won't have to have all the restrictions and the mass and all that stuff. And I believe in this interim time, we need to get five things in order before life gets back to what we believe as normal, right? Who knows what exactly normal will be? But I believe that there's five things that we need to get in order. And so Dave and I will be sharing over the next five weeks these five disciplines that we believe every Christian should strive to have. So before we go any further, I want to share a story with you guys. Some of you know this. My first church that I was at was just outside of Hannibal, Missouri. I don't know, does anyone know where Hannibal, Missouri is? Okay, we got a couple people. It is the land of Mark Twain, all right? Huck Finn, right on the Mississippi River, north of St. Louis, about an hour and a half. And so I was, I was at a church in that area, and I would go and speak at camps in, in the Midwest. And I remember one year I spoke at a camp in Iowa. And this camp, small, maybe 30, 40 kids there. And I really connected with a couple of the guys, but specifically one of the guys. His name is Caleb. Caleb is a college high jumper now. Uh, but at the time, he was just a squirrely little middle schooler. And so we connected. We played sports the whole week. I got to speak and, and hang out in the hot, non-air-conditioned dorms. But hey, it worked. And uh, it was one of those dorms that, man, you were in pain every night because bugs, snakes, mice, and then you had the toilets clogged in the next room. It was amazing. But I was able to do that. And, and I remember uh, Caleb and I grew a special bond because he had opened up about how his father was in prison. His father was in prison and he had three other brothers and sisters. And so now here's this guy and he's, he's being raised without his dad. And so I was kind of like a big brother to him. And, uh, and I noticed that he would come to me uh, for advice, uh, just anything that, that usually someone would go to their, their father for. So I remember one year uh, he asked me, he said, Winston, I know this is a lot, but would you be willing to chaperone a school trip for me? It's like, man, yeah, this doesn't seem too bad. You know, I, I know it's a little trip up to Iowa, about two and a half hours, but I can go and chaperone a little trip. Well, I didn't realize when I agreed to this that the trip was a three-day trip in Kansas City. So I took my trip from Hannibal, Missouri up to Iowa, and then I realized then that I would be driving a 12-passenger van. So then I got in my 12-passenger van, and I was driving a bunch of middle schoolers, and we went to Kansas City, and it was a great time. It was a history trip. I love history. I absolutely love history, and I got to do something that I've always wanted to do. I got to go to the Harry S. Truman 
Library. It was in Independence, Missouri. I don't know if you guys know who Harry S. Truman is. He's one of the presidents of the United States. And when I got there, they were just at a place where they were releasing 1,300 letters that him and his wife had wrote over the duration of his life. And so they had released those and they were looking through them to find anything that could give um, some insight in some of the world issues and the diplomacy that was happening at the time. And, and they were amazed actually at these 1300 letters because there was very little to do with the world issues. It was all about the love of, of President Truman for his wife, Bess. He promised her when they got married, no matter where I am, no matter if you're gone or I'm gone, I will write you a letter every single day I'm away from you. Every single day. He stayed true to his word. And so when I got there, I was reading some of these letters and, and I was thinking about it. And when I was preparing for the sermon, I was like, man, I know Harry S. Truman was in the middle of a lot of things. And I looked and, and he was in more than I'd ever thought. Here's the guy, he became president because Franklin Roosevelt passed away. He was the one who was uh, there at the end of World War II against Nazi Germany, and he was able to lead the United States into victory at that time. He was the president who made the decision to drop two A-bombs in Japan, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. He was the president that sent soldiers into Korea he was the president that was there in the beginning, the infancy stage of the Cold War. And here he is, the most powerful man on the planet. And he made time to write his wife, Bess, a letter. So I think about that. What if we had the same approach with God. No matter what's going in our, on in our world, no, no matter what is pulling us away from a relationship with him, we stop and we spend intentional time with God. What would our faith look, look like? Think about that. In, in your context, what if we decided every day, no matter what, to spend time with God? What, what would some of our marriages look like, our relationships? Our, our kids, our relationships with our parents, what, what would our perspective on our, on our life even look like if we made a decision to say, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I am gonna stop and spend time with my God. You know, last week, uh, Dave, he, he preached a sermon on the vision of Eastside. And, and if you weren't here, I want to challenge you to watch that. Go online and, and, and watch that sermon. Powerful, powerful message. But it was building up to what our vision is for this year, 2021. And, and he challenged us. He challenged us. We want to be these things, three things as a church. And some of you, you might remember them, right? Get we want to get wide. We want to see people, right? We want to see them in the building. We want to see them connected online. Also, we want to get tall. We want to be a, a church of prayer. And, and finally, we want to be deep. We want to be a church that, that gets deep. 
And part of that initiative, we want this church to go deeper in our relationship with God. Whatever that might look like in your world, we want to see people thriving in their prayer life, thriving in their study of God's word, thriving in their devotion life. We want to see people taking God's word and applying it to their life, not just reading words on a page, but saying, wow, God, what can I take from here and apply to my life? And so I'm thinking about this message and right, five things that we want to get in order, five disciplines, and I believe it has to start can't go any further unless we decide that we are going to spend time with God. We're going to give him the very thing that that we can't get back. Can I get real with you for a moment? How many of us feel weary spending time with God? Fatigue. You might not say it out loud, but, but we get in these, these seasons where if we admit it to ourselves, we're experiencing this, this more of a, a chore-like faith. We do it maybe because of guilt or we know we should, but, but it becomes more, more burdensome than, man, I get to spend time with my God. I get to spend time with my Savior. And it's more like, man, how in the world do I have the ability to do that with, with all these other things going on? Maybe we still have, like I said, quiet time on a regular basis. But if we're honest, it, it almost feels like a waste of time. Still deep down, we desperately desire to connect with our God, to connect with our creator. And and I know he wants to connect with us. And I know he wants to to be there and and walk with us through the trials of life. He's everywhere, right? He's everywhere. He's invisible. But he wants to have that intimate relationship. The question is how? How do we, in the words of um, Philip Yancey, reach for an invisible God? How do we make him part of our everyday life? That's the question, how? How do we get to a point when he is there and we are intentional every single day? And I believe the best place to start is the word of God. We talk about that a lot. We're a church. We believe in the word of God. We believe it's inspired. We believe it's inerrant. We believe it's relevant. We're unashamed of that. I am unashamed of that. I believe that, that we can find clues within the word on how to do this. And I was thinking about, there's so many examples. You got Moses, right? Moses, I mean, he hung out with God for 40 days on a mountain, so he's, he's got that down. You have people like David. David, he talked all the time about being uh, on his bed and meditating and into the wee hours of the night. And then there's Elijah. I love Elijah. He spent time with God in a cave, spending intentional time with him. Uh, but you can't go wrong when thinking about the word of God. You can't go wrong ever with Jesus. He's the best example. And what I'm about to read is a piece of scripture that we can easily skim over. But if you dig a little deeper, you can see that there are so many gems within this 
this uh, piece of scripture. You know, I sometimes wonder uh, how many times when I read the word of God, I, I almost gloss over something. Maybe because my untrained eyes or my, my, hurried, my hurried world. But if we stop and we, we slow down, we can see that there's something so precious that God wants to show us. So in Matthew 6, this is an amazing, amazing chapter in the Bible, one of the best. He says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I, I see the scripture. There's so much we can, we can learn about intentional devotion time with God. You see, what's happening here is, is Jesus is actually preaching a sermon to a multitude. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. I believe the most famous sermon ever preached in the entirety of mankind. And he goes into talking about righteousness and, and what people perceive as righteousness, right? They perceive that someone's righteous uh, when they, they pray publicly. And he's saying, hey guys, like that's cool and all. But what matters is what is unseen. If you want to have a genuine, pure motive relationship with God, I want you to do a couple things, and that's when true righteousness is seen. And so he gives him an example, and it's an example of, of prayer. And, and I see this, and, and there's something in here that I believe we can take. There's a couple nuggets we can take. And the first one is a word that has changed over the last 11 months, and it's the word isolate. The first thing he says about devotion time with God is we can, we can take a time to isolate. He challenged people to go into the room, close the door, but he didn't just say it, he modeled it. I think about that all the time, right? Dave preaches on the stage. We have, uh, I, I myself, I preach on the stage. We have other pastors in this church that preach on the stage. We have our worship team that lead worship on this stage. But a lot of you, you don't get to see us model it. Maybe we say hi to you and we joke around, but you don't get to see us on the daily how we model it. Jesus, he was able to model it. We have multiple places in scripture where he modeled this action of isolation in order to connect with God. We see here in a couple scriptures in uh, Matthew 14, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. We see also in Luke 5, but Jesus often, he often withdrew. I love how it's translated here. He withdrew to lonely places. And he prayed. So Jesus, his, his disciples witnessed that when he wanted to go and connect with God, he isolated. He went and he isolated himself. Why? Because <laughs> people are distracting, right? 
If you got little kids, they're very distracting. TV is distracting. Recently, my wife and I, uh, some of you have heard my world. Our life is very distracting. <laughs> got kids everywhere, right? I got a, a, a 17-year-old foster daughter, and then I have a seven-year-old, that's mine. I got a five-year-old boy. I got a, a year and a half year old daughter. And then I have a, my foster daughter, her son, and he's six months. And then, you know, uh, my foster daughter's twin sister, she's over there. She's over at our house every couple of days. I am 33. I have six kids in my home on a regular basis. Some of you know how I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? And, um, <laughs> and I'm technically a grandpa, okay? I'm technically a 33-year-old grandpa, okay? And, and I'll, I'll listen to a song. I try to relate to my foster daughter. I'm like, yeah, I know that song. Why am I doing this? Okay. And then she's like, I love that song. And I'm like, yes, we're relating. And she's like, my grandma had it on her iPod. I'm like, oh, why? And then I walk away like this. But anyways, and so I think about our world. Our world is insane all the time. I got no family in the area. <laughs> I got ministry, which I love, still love it. And so we've tried to be strategic about that. My wife, she, she wakes up at 6.30. She's like, okay, I guess I gotta wake up earlier to spend time with God. But we do this thing where, uh, and we can't do it every day, where one of us will, will watch the kids in the evening, whether I get home or she's home, and, and we'll go out. I'll watch the kids and then she'll go out to a place and be alone with God for an hour, two hours. And that one moment, man, that fills her up. And so we've been like, okay, our world's insane. What can we do in this area? And I'm not joking, guys. One of those times per week where she goes, just fills her up, gives her the energy. Same with me. The difference with me is I can come to church and I can, I can dig in the word. But when we isolate, when we isolate, we create a sacred place to connect with God. We can take a, a spiritual breath. And we could start to build that friendship. And so the first thing that we see from Jesus, he says, go to your room, close the door, right? But he modeled it. He went to a mountainside. The second thing that he challenges us to do, how to have those quiet times with God, is, is we actually need to listen. With us, that might look like um, us being still. You know, so many of us, we, we want to talk at God. What if we stopped and we listened? We slowed our mind, we slowed our pace, we opened his word, and we listened. We thought questions in our mind, God, how can I apply these principles to my life? So many people get to the point where they say, man, I, I don't hear God's voice in my life. And I always go back to, are you allowing moments for him to talk to you? It's gonna be hard for him to talk to you when you're not giving him an opportunity to talk. You know, when I first started following Jesus, I remember um, learning, okay, I gotta go to a place and be with God. I remember, I remember vividly going out in my backyard of my parents' house and like sitting under a tree and I'm like, what do I do? Like I did this, God, I heard, I heard a preacher say this, I should go be alone and have a moment with you. But then I remember getting out there and I was like, what do I do? Start with slowing down. For me, it, it takes time, it takes a couple minutes just for my mind to get focused on my God, to be fixated 
on God. When those moments, people, well, what do I do? Slow down, listen. Start in his word, read, listen to his word. You know, uh, I was reading this funny story. A man and his wife were having an argument. And so they were having a, a great battle called the, uh, the silent treatment. Have you guys ever heard of the silent treatment? So they weren't talking to each other, right? Only problem was he had to leave for a flight the next morning at 5 a.m. And, and he was like, man, I gotta, I gotta tell my wife, she's gotta wake me up at 5 a.m. I gotta remind her to wake me up at 5 a.m. But he didn't wanna break his streak of being silent. So he decided, okay, this is a good idea. I'm gonna write a little note and I'm gonna put it by the bed. Wake me up at 5 a.m. So he goes to sleep, wakes up the next day, it's 9 a.m. I'm late. I'm late. And he goes to start yelling, hey, you didn't wake me up. Then he saw a note right next to his side of the bed that said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> so there's one, <laughs> my wife would love for me to give her the silent treatment. <laughs> she would love it. I think I've said that on this stage before. But you listen, but then you have to have a time to speak. In every relationship, there's two things that happen. There's listening and there's speaking, right? If someone's coming and talking to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna try to understand them, whether they're just talking about their day, just a bunch of you know, things about work or home. I'm gonna try to understand what, what are they trying to communicate to me? But then there comes a time where, where I'm actually gonna speak. I'm gonna talk to them. So with God, we isolate, we listen, but then we have the ability to talk to God. We have the ability to have a relationship with him where, where he allows us, the creator of the universe allows us and wants us to talk to him. Still blows my mind that he wants to, to talk to me, to talk to us. And he wants to be alone. A couple of years ago, a movie called uh, War Room came out. I bet a bunch of you have seen it. Wonderful movie. If you've not seen it, I want to encourage you to see it. It's about this lady. And she's trying to sell her home. Realtor comes in. And this realtor is having some marital issues. So this, this woman, she, she takes uh, this lady back into her home and says, you need to get on your knees and you gotta pray for your marriage, pray against the enemy. And she showed her this room. She actually created a room in her home that was just a prayer room. And in that room, she went and she prayed for everything. She called it her war room. We need to get into a place in our life where we have a war room a place where we can go, we can be alone, we can listen, and we can pray out to God. Have we established a war room? Have we established a place where we can talk to God? Jesus was alone, and that is where he had the opportunity to connect. I believe with us, that's where a place we gotta start. We gotta start there. So this is where I start to go up a little and get a little more serious. And, and Dave's actually, our lead pastors, challenged me in this area. None of this happens by accident. Everything I shared, none of this is going to just happen. It happened with some of these biblical figures because they made time 
And they did it so often, it became part of their daily rhythms. It, be, it became part of who they were. They made it, big word, they made it a, a habit of their life. It was just what they did. Like brushing their teeth or hopefully taking a shower for some of us, right? Like it became what they did. It was their breath. It was their food. It was their water. They could not live without it. I found a, a beautiful quote by John Ortberg, a well-known pastor on the West Coast. And he said this uh, about consistent time with God. It becomes a rhythm for living in which we can grow more intimately connected with God. Then why do so many of us struggle in this area? Why do so many within the church, within the brothers and sisters of Christ, struggle to set aside time with God on a daily basis? Why is it something that is, that is, it's almost taboo. It's like, yeah, we believe in it. We love it. We think it's essential, but we don't do it. I was reading uh, statistics, uh, almost 20% of churchgoers rarely or never spend time with God. One fifth of churches, of people within the church say, yeah, I rarely or never do it. I think it's cool, but I don't do it. I was reading more, 25% indicate that they read their Bible maybe a t one time a week. I was also reading 14% say that they read their Bible maybe a couple times a week. 22% say once a month or maybe a few times a month. And, and I think about this, and, and there's so many reasons. We could fill in the blank. I just started writing reasons down, and I tried to break it down to nine reasons. I'm just gonna say them quick. There's gotta be reasons. There's gotta be something that makes us not spend time with God. And so I was writing down, what is it? And, and the first one that came to mind is, is we don't want to. It's pretty simple, right? We don't want to. The reason we don't spend time with God is because we don't want to spend time with God. Maybe that's it. It's difficult at times. It's not always easy. I think that's one of them. We don't plan to. We plan everything else, but we don't plan that. So when we don't plan it in a world of planning, it won't have a planned moment to spend time with God. Therefore, it doesn't happen. A lot of people I was reading don't think it actually makes a difference. Okay, I believe in it, it's cool and all for you and all or, or those people over there, but I don't actually think it makes a difference. I found a fifth reason. We're too busy and easily distracted. Another one, we forget that we live in a spiritual battle for our soul. I could talk about this for another 30 minutes. Only in heaven are we out of gunshot of the devil. Only in heaven are we out of his range. But in this interim, we are in his scope. And we forget that we are in a spiritual battle. A seventh reason I wrote down, we don't know how to. Some of us, it's just, I actually want, I just don't know how. An eighth, we don't feel worthy. I've heard that over the years. Man, I, I just don't feel worthy to spend time with God. All the baggage in my life, man, I, I don't feel like God wants to spend time with me. And then nine, 
We're lazy. R.C. Sproul said this, we fail in our duty to spend time with God, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or lack of passion. Our problem is that we are, we are lazy. Guys, so many of us, we want the blessings of God, but we don't want the pursuit. So many of us, we want the connection, but we don't want to live the life of integrity with closed door, sacred places, moments that we get to have with God. Spending time with God isn't about, it's not about gaining more knowledge. You know, in a world of information overload, it's not about just obtaining more facts about the Judeo-Christian God. Our faith is more than a set of beliefs. It's about getting to know a God as real as the person next to us, yet as mysterious as the universe. This is the why. We get to know God as the person right next to us, yet there's this still this mystery, like the universe or, or microbiology. Still great mystery behind it. But through it, through it, we actually are tapping into a strength, a faith, a joy, and it changes everything. And I know people in this room, God has, has changed your world. He, is, he has taken you and, and transformed you and molded you, and you're like, I don't even recognize that person over there because he's changed my life. But that didn't just happen by accident. I was thinking of an illustration for this, and I was thinking about oxygen, right? We, we need oxygen to live, and I'm, I'm speaking kind of loud, so I need a lot more of it, um, but oxygen, imagine an oxygen tank, okay? And we have this, this spiritual oxygen tank, and let's say um, that when we spend time with God, it, it fills up our oxygen tank. So let's say that we, we are one of the people that maybe once or twice a month we spend, we spend time with God. Let's say that puts at us about three to five percent. Let's say five percent. So that means our spiritual life is 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 functioning at five percent the ability that it could. Let's say um, that we are um, once a week. So now let's say that goes up to thirty percent. Okay, we do it once a week, and we we make sure to do that. We're we're functioning at thirty percent the oxygen level that we should. Maybe we're one of the people, man, a couple times a week, we're rolling with this and, you know, two, three times we do this. Let's say we're at 50%, the auction level and the spiritual strength we need for that week. Let's say we, we spend time with God every day in some capacity. And we get to spend time with God. That means we're moving at 100% oxygen level. The goal should always be for our oxygen level to be at 100%. Not saying it's always gonna happen. I'm not saying we're evil people if we, we miss a day with God, but I'm saying the goal should always be, this is my life. I tell students all the time in our high school ministry that if I don't spend time with God, me, Winston Dickerson, that I am spiritually deficient. Man, my day just looks so different when I am not taking time to be with God. We should always, always strive to have 100% oxygen level. You know, this is uh, Super Bowl weekend, and uh, our pastor, he loves the Cowboys, and 
Another year with them not in it, okay? So uh, it's been a crazy year. Can't believe the Bucs are in it. Can't believe, I can believe Kansas City. They're really good. But it's a great, great season for football. You know, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. But there's been all these great coaches and players before them. And, and I always have looked up to uh, the history of leadership and the kind of man that, that Thomas, um, Thomas Wade Landry was. I, I wrote in here, actually this was just, Dave told me yesterday, that he actually got a letter uh, from Tom Landry. Got a letter, written letter, because he was helping out with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He was leading a chapter of it. And, and he said, dude, I lost that letter. <laughs> like, I, I, I have no idea where it is today. A personal handwritten letter from Tom Landry. And so Tom Landry, a lot of us know him as uh, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He invented the 4-3 defense. They had a phenomenal, phenomenal defense. He won two Super Bowls. I got written down here, five NFC titles, 13 divisional titles, and compiled 270 wins. This guy was your man's man. He was a winner. He was a go-getter. He drank diesel fuel and ate raw meat. He was that kind of guy. And, um, and he was the epitome of what it looked like to lead a team. But there came a time for him when, when he had a, a conflict. Things were getting out of whack. And so in 1958, he said this. He said, I did something that every successful person must do. I determined my priorities for life. God, family, and football. Guys, we talk about these five specific things. We got to get in order before this whole pandemic thing ends. We can't go any further until we have a relationship, daily relationship with God. So I want to challenge you, make time, make the goal daily, make it a habit. Use those three things, isolate, listen, speak. And if you do those things, I believe, I know it, I'm living it, that God is going to change many areas of your life. Many areas, but you have to be intentional about it. Let's pray. God, again, I want to thank you so much that you have given us some truth in your word. I love that, that story when Jesus is saying that we should go to our room, close the door, and then spend time with you. And you see that, and you want to reward it. You know, and we talked about the how, the isolate, the, the be silent and, and listen and, and speak, all this stuff. But I want people to know the why. It's because we get to spend time with you. It's not about knowledge and facts and just playing the part. It's about spending time with the creator who gave his very self for us. So thank you for uh, today. We love you. And we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.